0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. So sorry that uh, the brand new chairs are not here today. I know many of you gave sacrificially for those to arrive, and they'll be here uh, soon, I promise. Uh, in other news, my family and I just enjoyed a wonderful vacation in Hawaii. Uh, thank you for just kidding. I didn't use the money that you gave for chairs for that. <gasps> No, they'll be here next week, and we're excited about that, and we do appreciate uh, any of you who can help us at the very end stack, those, uh, stack these pews, hopefully one last time. Uh, it's amazing to think that some churches do this every week, uh, that are mobile churches meeting in schools and different places across the nation, and it's a reminder this morning that we gather together with people who believe in Jesus all around this country, all around this world, um, in one spirit and one voice today to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I know we've got a lot of people traveling. Some of you, it's your first time here today, and we're glad that you're here. Uh, it, it's, it's so encouraging for us to gather in this place. And this week, we're uh, continuing this, this series, this idea of what does it mean for us to do good and be brave. And uh, I hope that if you missed last week, you'll go back and listen or watch it online because we're, we're, we're kind of entering into this, this, this last part of summer with this idea of what does it really mean for us as a church to truly engage in what matters most. And it seems to me that the one obstacle for so many of us to actually doing that, uh, the the thing that that makes us hesitate more often than, than not is this fear. And I wonder how can we choose, how can we choose to be brave, to do good in a world where comfort is king and fear reigns in our hearts. I mean, that's kind of it, isn't it? In a world where we are so comfortable, those of us who are Christians living in America, we're so comfortable. How is it that for those of us who every time we flip on the radio or watch the news, it's just fear speak? How, how do we do that? How do we as people? who claim to follow God, the one who created the universe? How do do those of us who, who say we follow Jesus, the one who defeated death and rose from the grave, if anyone should have no reason to fear, it should be us? But how do we actually, in practical everyday terms, how do we do that? How do we live as people? How can we do good and be brave? In a world where comfort is king and fear reigns in our hearts, If you were here last week, you heard us talk about this, but I think it's so important to say it again that you just never know what what hangs in the balance when you choose to be brave. You never know what hangs in the balance when you choose to have the courage to do the right thing. And anytime we hear stories about people, ordinary people doing extraordinary things, it always grabs our hearts. It always gets ex- excited. And I think the reason is, is because these stories are gospel stories, right? They're stories of things that were broken, that were made whole, stories of things that were wrong, that were made right. And, and most people don't understand this, but this is, these are the stories we were made for because these are gospel stories. And I love this story. You may have seen this story in September of 2014, this story made the news, and it's been going around for a while now. It's a great story about a guy by the name of Jack Mook. I don't know if you know this guy, if you've heard the story. Jack is a detective who lives in Pittsburgh. Uh, in 2014, he was a bachelor living, living a great life. Had a great job, great salary. Every after work, he would go over to the uh, Still City Boxing Gym, where he would, uh, for free, volunteer his time... Uh, to coach and to train uh, these underprivileged kids to teach them the sport of boxing. And two of those kids were a couple of guys by the name of Jesse and Josh Lyle. Jesse was 11 years old. Josh was 15. One day, though, they didn't show up. Of course, Jack gets a little concerned, and the next day comes around, and they're not there again, and he's beginning to wonder what's going on. And so being a detective, he puts on his detective hat, and he makes a few phone calls, and he finds out where these kids are, and he goes, and he finds Josh And it wasn't until he stopped to talk to Josh that he realized just how bad these two guys had it. the time, Josh and Jesse were living at the home of some foster parents who, as it turns out, were incredibly abusive and neglectful. And Josh just broke down in tears as he began to tell Detective Jack all that had been going on and the reason why they couldn't come to the gym. Well, Jack decided he just had enough. He just had enough. So he called in a few favors, worked things out, and that very night, he got Josh and, Gile, uh, Josh and Jesse allowed to stay in a new home, his home. He took them home to his house, where he knew they would be safe. These are the kind of stories that remind us. How important it is for you and I, for people around us, to do good and to be brave. Because you know, like I know, that outside these four walls, there are people around us, people in the city, people in your neighborhoods, people you work with, people you go to school with, people who are in desperate need for help, people who are in desperate need for hope, people who have real problems, real people with real problems. And it's on people like you and me to have the courage to engage to do, to do what matters most, to, to take a stand, to stand up, to fill in the gap, to stand in the gap for those who need someone like you and me to do good, to be brave for them. But it raises also, doesn't it, a really hard question. It's kind of an uncomfortable question. Like, what do we do? What do we do when it's us? Some of you have been there, you know what this feels like. Some of you are there right now. What what do you do when it's Like we prefer to be Jack in the story, don't we? We love to be the hero. We love to be the one who enters into the story and we make everything okay. For a lot of us, if we're honest, it's really hard for us to be on the receiving end. It's really hard for us to be Jesse. It's really hard for us to be Josh. It's really hard for us to be honest about what's going on in our life or in our world. And it's even harder for us to ask for help. And the question for us is, will we have the strength in the middle of our own story to do good, to be brave, to let our story be a gospel story. Last week we started looking at Exodus 1, and we're, we're going to keep tracking that way today into the story of Moses. And what I love about Moses and what I love about the story, especially what we're going to read today, is this is a story about real people with real problems. This isn't a story where everything just went the way it was supposed to. In fact, most of the stories that we read in Scripture, they're stories about real people with real problems, and sometimes things work out, and if I'm honest, sometimes they don't, at least not in the moment. And, And for me, that gives me some measure of comfort because it lets me know that, man, like Jeff said a while ago, we've been invited into the story of God, and it's a big story, and there's a lot of mystery to it, but it's a story of real people with real problems. But for us, it's a story of people who believe in a very real God. So if you have your Bible or if you have an app on your device you want to open up, we're going to start back in Exodus. Exodus is the second book of your Bible, Genesis and Exodus, Exodus chapter 1, the very last verse of chapter 1, chapter 1 verse 22. Last week we kind of started the story with what had happened, this, this new king of Egypt had come to power and he was getting nervous because the Israelites, the, uh, these people who had, who, had, who had come into his land were growing and he thought, we've got to stop this because they're going to become a great nation on their own, and they're going to overpower us, they're going to overthrow us. And so because he was afraid of what might happen if they continued to grow, he decided to take some pretty crazy, you know, went, go to some pretty dramatic lengths to stop that from happening. And he, he asked these two Hebrew midwives to kill every baby boy that was born as soon as they were born, and They refused. They refused. And if you remember last week, we talked about this, that the fear of God leads people to courageous acts of love. And that's exactly what they did. They refused, they were afraid of Pharaoh, but they, they had more fear of God and they chose to honor him instead of honor this earthly king. And because of that, because of that, the, the, the people of, of Israel continued to grow. But Pharaoh, he gets pretty mad about this. Plan A didn't work, so he's on to plan B. And in Exodus 1, chapter, uh, verse 22, we figure out what plan B is. It says, then Pharaoh gave this order, a new order, to all the people, to every Egyptian. Throw every newborn Hebrew Hebrew boy into the Nile River. But you can let the girls live. So what's plan B? Plan B is I'm going to take this out of the hands of these Hebrew midwives. And plan B is I'm going to ask every Egyptian, if you see a newborn baby boy who is Hebrew, take him and throw him into the river. Why does he do this? He's afraid. He's afraid of what's going to happen if they continue to grow as a people. And that fear drives him to take incredible measures to ensure that every Hebrew boy is killed so that this people will stop growing, right? That's his fear. And his fear leads him to violence. His fear leads him to aggression, to oppression. You know what his fear leads him to? It leads him to sin, and I know we're just getting started, but I want, to, I want to pause before we get too far into the story, because I want to ask you this question, because this is where we begin today. Has your fear ever led you to sin? Think about that. Has your fear ever led you to sin? I think this is one of the enemy's back doors into our lives. Maybe your fear kept you from doing something that you knew was right, but because you were afraid in the moment, you chose not to do it. You decided to keep on driving, to keep on walking, to keep on going, to not stop and help or do what you knew what was the right thing to do. And at the root of it, the reason why you didn't do it, it wasn't because you didn't have the talent or the ability or the resources or the time. You may have used those excuses, but the reason you didn't do what you knew what you should have done was because for whatever reason, you were afraid. Or maybe... Maybe it was the fear of getting caught. Like you knew, you knew what you did and others were about to find out what you did and the fear of getting caught in what you did led you to sin even more and to to tell more lies, to do more things, to cover up what you did and that fear just led down this perpetual snowball of things that ended up in more and more and more sin in your heart and in your life. Has fear ever led you to sin? This is what fear does. Not only does it lead us to do things that are, They're unimaginable, you know. It leads us to more and more sin in our hearts and our lives. And that's what happens for Pharaoh here. We said it last week, you know, the fear of God leads people to um, courageous acts of love. But the fear of men, it leads people into sin. And it leads people into incredible and unthinkable acts of harm. So in Exodus 2, chapter 1, the story goes on and it goes like this. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Now, we're not going to learn their names till later in the story, but the mom and dad here that got married and had a son, their names were Amram and Jacobed. So if you're looking for baby names for later, you can write these down. Just kidding. Uh, but, but they have this child, right? Uh, they, they become pregnant. They have a child. They see that it's a special child. It's a beautiful child. And, and, and they did what every mom and dad would do in this situation, right? They hide the baby boy because they don't want the, the Egyptians to find the baby boy and throw the baby boy into the Nile River. They want to protect their child from being killed. Why? Because they love him, right? This is this is, what every, this is what every Hebrew mom and dad were doing at this moment in time. They were hiding their child, and they hid him for three months. You think they were scared? Oh, man, absolutely. They were terrified. But you know this, especially if you've ever loved a child, there's nothing you wouldn't do. Wouldn't, nothing you wouldn't do for that child. There's nothing you wouldn't do because of your love for them, right? Love, love, it, it compels you <laughs> to be a person of incredible courage, to do things you normally wouldn't do because, because you love them. And Amram and Jacob, they, they know that they've got to find a way to save and protect and hide their child, and that's exactly what they do. Verse 3, when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket, made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch and she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River the baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen so around three months you know it became harder and harder to hide this child I, I, I mean I don't you know you, you, you can come up with your own reasons why you know babies the older they get the louder they get the noisier they get The bigger they get, the busier they get. So they've got to come up with another plan to hide this child. So what do they do? They make a basket. They put it in the river. All of this to try to love and save and protect their child. Well, soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river. You may know the story. And her attendants walked along the riverbank. And when the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. And when the princess opened it, she saw the baby. And the little boy was crying she felt sorry for him. This must be one of those Hebrew children, she said. Don't you love this? Pharaoh's daughter, the daughter of the man who's trying to kill every Hebrew boy, comes down to the river and she finds this child. And when she sees this child, like the way this story should have gone was that they take the baby out of the basket and they toss it in the river and they go on their way. That's what, that's what should have happened, Right? Pharaoh's daughter has compassion on this child. I can just imagine her going to her dad the next day. You know, dad, I found this baby in the river. Can I keep it? You know? <laughs> so If you don't know, hear anything else I say today, know this, dads, that daughters always love disobeying their fathers, right? They find a way to, to, to do this. And Pharaoh's daughter is no different. She finds this baby boy and she decides she wants to keep it. And she does. Verse seven, then the baby's sister approached the princess. Because remember, she's hiding off in the reeds. Hey, should I go and find uh, maybe one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Uh, Again, we're not going to learn her name until later, but this is Miriam. This is Moses' older sister. And she's hiding in the reeds, and I don't know if this was a part of her plan. I don't know if she just, this, you know, she was just thought fast and, and jumped out and made this up. Or, or maybe this is just the way, this is the crazy way, this is the out-of-the-box way, the unorthodox way that God decided to answer the prayer of a mom and dad in this moment. But, but Miriam finds the courage to, to come out from behind the reeds and have this bright idea. Hey, you found a baby, you want to keep it, let me find someone to nurse it for you. And the princess says, absolutely. She says, yes, do it, the princess replied, verse 8. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother, and I will pay you, get this, I'm going to pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Let's just pause right here. Is this not, I'm not like some of you that grew up in church, you've read the story your whole life, but if you just stop and think about it, isn't this a bit of a crazy story? Like mom and dad are praying their guts out for God to save their child and they don't even think it's possible, but they're praying, you know, hoping against hope that somehow God will make a way. They come up with this crazy cockeyed plan to put their baby in a basket in the water and hope that they can hide it there long enough for it to grow up to be big enough to where it can survive on its own and it will live and somehow, you know, survive this incredible time when Pharaoh is killing literally every baby boy that's being born. They put their baby in the basket. Princess comes and finds it. Miriam jumps out says, I got a bright idea. The princess says, that is a great idea. Yeah, go find me a Hebrew nurse. And she goes and gets her mom to take the boy back home, now under the protection of the Pharaoh of Egypt, who's trying to kill every Egyptian boy. Now she gets to keep him at her home and raise him and love him and nurse him, right? And not only that, you know, Hebrews, they are the slaves of the Egyptians, but this princess is gonna pay her to do it. They went from like crying out to God to praising God to being overwhelmed by how God has just, in an unbelievable, unimaginable way, like come through in the, the biggest way possible. Unbelievable. And, and I want that to encourage you today just a little bit because some of you right now, maybe you're in the middle of the mess. Maybe it's just a crazy time in your life right now. Things are going haywire. You don't know what's going to happen next. And you're. You're crying your guts out like like Amram and Jacobet are asking God to do something. You don't even know how he's going to fix it, but you need him to fix it. You need him to work in your life and do something. Hold on to that hope. Continue in prayer. Be brave. Because God does this. He does this kind of stuff. He works things out in ways that are unthinkable and unimaginable because he loves us. And that's what he does right here for this young mother and father who are crying out desperately to God for help. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I can't help but think about. This had to be how Josh and Jesse felt, right? A couple of boys living in a foster home, being abused, neglected. Not not even thinking there was a way out until Detective Jack gets involved, right? This is what God does. God works in crazy, amazing ways through people like you and me. And sometimes he'll even use the daughter of the enemy to work out his plan. It's unreal. Verse 10. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own. The princess named him Moses gives him an Egyptian name, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. The Hebrew boy who should have died that day is now Given life, And don't miss this. Because you and I, we have the benefit of knowing how the story ends, right? We know that in about 80 years, Moses is going to come to Egypt. He's going to go away for a while. He's going to come back. And the one Hebrew boy that Pharaoh didn't kill is going to come back and rescue every Hebrew boy and girl from Egyptian oppression and slavery. And deliver them. The promised land. Man. Here's what I want you to see. You don't know what your courage today is going to mean for others later. You think Amram and Jacobed could have ever even imagined in their wildest dreams that their prayer and their courage would leave to their entire nation. Being delivered from the most powerful empire at that time on the planet. No. But because of their prayer and because of their courage, God saved their son who would one day save the nation. You don't ever know what your courage today will lead to for others later. And your courage is never just about you. I know you think it is. But your courage is never just about you. And this idea, this series, this whole, this whole time, these weeks, we're talking about doing good and being brave. It's not just a pep talk. It's not just, you know, self-help. It's not, hey, I want you to, to, to be a little braver today, be a little stronger today, do something good today, you know, be a good neighbor today, you know, be nicer today, help somebody today, hold the door open for someone today. That, that's all well and good, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about us as a church, as the people of God, as a people of faith, having the courage to engage in what matters most because we know this, that our courage today is not just about us. It's about the future. It's about the future of the church. It's about the future of the world. It's about God doing something amazing in and through us that's going to save maybe a nation later. We have no earthly idea, but this is what we're praying for. This is what we're hoping for. This is what we're called to, to a life of doing good, to a life of being brave, you can do this, I can do this, we've done this, we've been there, we've gone to those churches where you go and you show up and you check a box and you sing the song, you say the prayer, you hear the message, you go home, you have lunch, and it's all been fine and dandy and you feel good about yourself and about your life. That's not what we're being called into. What is the mission of God? God is, his mission has always been Jesus said it so clearly, to seek and to save the lost. And what God is asking you and I to do is to be a part of a church, literally a gathering of believers in Jesus, who because of Jesus have been changed, who are called to live different, who are called to engage in the world around us, who are called to get involved in what matters most, so that our courage in the moment will lead to something later for people, for God to do more, immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. This is what we do, right? We read the verse. And we say it all the time, hey, God is gonna work all things out you know, for my good and his glory. And we've missed it. God's not working for your good. God's working for our good. It's always been about God working all things together for our good and his ultimate glory. And he's working in such a way that he wants to use us in this world as a part of his story to do things that you and I can't even begin to imagine. And if you and I want to get brave, then it means stepping into the story. If you and I want to get brave, this is what God does. He works through the brave. And again, the brave aren't those people who are not afraid, who have somehow found the fear switch in their body and flipped it off, right? It doesn't exist, it's not real. That's why this isn't self-help. The brave are those people who are so motivated, so compelled by love, that fear won't stop them from doing what they know is the right thing to do. And that's what I would love for us to be as a church. I want to be a part of that church, don't you? A church that is so motivated, so compelled by love that we will not let fear hold us back from doing what we know is right and engaging in what matters most. I need to tell you the rest of the story. Detective Jack, he said that probably one of the best things he ever did was take those boys, Josh, and Jesse home that night to stay at his house. That was until the day he took him to court. He took him to court to adopt him and to make them his sons. And the man they used to call a detective, now they call dad. These boys who had no father now had a father and they had a home. You never know. Your courage to do the right thing is always more. It's always about more than just you. My courage, your courage, to do the right thing this week, it's always more. It's always about more than just me. It's always about more than just you. And what I believe God is calling the church to do in a world that is so paralyzed and consumed by anxiety and fear is to be brave. To be brave. And not just like brave to you know walk across the street when the, the light hasn't turned from the stop to the go sign yet, right? Like the kind of brave that is motivated by the love of God. This is what I'm talking about. It's the kind of brave that leads us to love people. Even people not like us. You see, the the way we've always read the story is that God was using Amram and Jacob to have this son named Moses and Miriam and, and he was gonna save Moses so that 80 years later, Moses could come back and, and he could lead Israel out of Egypt and set them free and it's the Exodus. It's one of the greatest stories ever told. They've made movies about it. They've told stories about it. It's incredible. Every year, people still stop and they celebrate the Passover, which was the time that God did deliver them from that bondage into that freedom. But God wasn't just working to save Moses. God wasn't just working to save Israel. God was working to save the world. You never know what hangs in the balance when you and I choose to be people of courage. Church, if you would, let's, let's stand together. What's funny is about, I don't know, 1,500 years later, this story would almost repeat itself exactly. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. You can read the story in the Gospels where, where a, a child was born, except this time it wasn't in Egypt, it was in Judea. And there was a king who was afraid, except it wasn't the king of Egypt, it was the king of Judea, a man named King Herod. And the decree was given again to kill every newborn child but not just every newborn baby it was going to be every boy that was two years and under these men these travelers from the east had come you remember the stories the christmas story and they told king herod that a a, a king had been born and he didn't want anyone to threaten his kingdom and so he decided to have every every boy two years and younger killed except what was crazy was an angel came to this mom and dad joseph and mary and told them to, to to flee You know where they went? Egypt. Egypt. And then this little boy would come back. This new deliverer, this savior would come out of Egypt. And he wasn't going to be just a king. He wasn't even going to be just the king of the Jews, although that's what the sign said above his head on the cross that day. He would be the king of the world. God is always working. God is always working. In more ways than you could ask or imagine. For our good and for his glory. Can we, can we find the courage to do good and to be brave in a world where comfort is king and fear reigns in our hearts? We can. Not because we're trying to do the next right thing. But because we believe there's a God who is on the move and we are part of the movement. And that movement is always towards salvation. Let's sing.